everyone, and welcome to another episode of Holy and Human. It has been a while since we've gotten back to these microphones. We've had a couple attempts of recording, and they just felt a little off, but I have a really good feeling that things are aligned, and I have a feeling there's going to be a series of podcasts coming out um, shortly here. I just wanted, after talking to a friend about our podcast and this process and everything, I feel like I am ready to hit a little energetic reset on it all, and I wanted to open this one up with a meditation, because she asked me a really good question, and she she basically asked, how do you want people to feel, and what type of journey do you want them to go on through a series of podcasts? And I realized that that's actually the one thing that has been at times a creative block uh, because I am monitoring how the group feels energetically. So as I'm talking, I'm kind of doing two things at once. I'm talking and then psychically checking in on the group and seeing how they're doing. And it's, it's a little too much all at once and I'm ready to just sort of simplify and uh, it made me think too just a lot about energy and, and what we've gotten lots of great feedback um, in the past about what this podcast has meant for people. Just tonight we went out and there was two different people we ran into that were like, we went to our community um, Christmas tree lighting and it was really cute and beautiful and we ran into two, two different people that were like, oh my gosh, this podcast has meant a lot to me. So it made me reinvigorated to get this going again and uh, to reconnect. I wanted this podcast today, we're gonna focus on soul orchestration. And I know Elisa's got some things she wants to share and some stories, and I just wanted to open up with a very brief and quick meditation. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, just take a moment to become aware of this present moment. Become aware of the sounds around you, the space that you're in, and of your own self and body here and now. Start just by becoming aware of your breath and slowing the thoughts down, forgetting about everything that happened previously today and everything that will happen. Don't force your breath, just notice it. Notice the sensation of breathing. And we're gonna set the intentions to feel a little bit of our soul today, to just feel that connection, just that spark. It doesn't have to be a lot, just enough that affirms for us that soul is here that we are made of soul and that connecting to the divine is always one breath away
and I just want to push you to inquire. Can you feel the divine in your vicinity? Can you feel it as an energy around you? Are you aware of it as a quality always in the back of your thoughts? And I want you to remember that if you are alive, if you are here listening to this now, that you are connected to that divine, that you are connected to that greater energy through your individuated identity of your soul. Your soul is your expression of that divinity. to imagine that divinity as love wrapping all around you reminding your body and your thoughts that you are safe that you are a miracle in this moment and when we are connected there is nothing to fear and that we deserve good things in our lives Just take a few moments to be aware of this sensation in your body. See if you can embrace it as a feeling. And remind yourself that even though our human side gets messy and we get caught up in all the drama of our day to day, that you are also holy and part of a greater love. And when you're ready, you can wiggle your toes and shoulders and blink your eyes, become aware of your physical body and sensations again and come back into the room or wherever you find yourself. That was nice. I was just thinking about this topic of soul orchestration. We talk about it in Meet Your Soul and in Holy Love. And I can't remember what examples we use in the book, but I was thinking for a while it'd be nice to do a podcast just on this topic. This might even be a two-parter because as I'm thinking about the train of thought that led me to what I'm thinking for today, I'm like, this is a good chunk of information. So... I guess we'll see how long it takes. And if you guys hear the little snoring, grunting sounds. That's, that's me. No, it's our dog. <laughs> Lily. Yeah. Who's squished between us with her face basically in a blanket. She loves a good little squish. <laughs> um, so when I say soul orchestration, what does that mean to you? What would you say is like the definition of it? I mean, my thoughts immediately go to James Hillman and the acorn theory and just the sense of like the divine orchestration of our purpose and the events that happen in our lives that can be moments of leading us or we can be moments of that we're blind to it and not receiving the lessons of what could be. James Hillman talks in one of his books, I forget which one it's a character and calling or I think or soul's code. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a Plato theory, and can you mm -hmm. explain what the acorn theory is for people who don't know? 
that the entire potential of a oak tree is in this tiny, tiny seed. And so there's this divine blueprint. And so within our souls, there's a blueprint of what we can become, our individuation. I think a lot about Carl Jung, how he uh, claims, and I am fully on board with what he says here, that we have a natural pull towards healing and a natural growth towards becoming our most fulfilled selves. And so anything that manifests in our lives is a byproduct of that in some way. Yeah, and individuated is an interesting term. I just heard some spiritual teacher talking about individuation means, and then they were saying all these things it doesn't mean. Maybe it mm. means that to them, but yeah. in terms of the Jungian sense, individuation isn't just about finding happiness. Individuation is like really, it is usually includes parts of a shedding, sometimes violent process of discernment of what you're not to kind of radically realign with who you truly are. So it's a shedding process of releasing um, kind of like your old skins, your old snake skins as you come into, it is your essential nature, but you usually do have to kind of fight for it in some way or have action towards it. For me, I would just call it becoming real, mm -hmm. right? Like and Velveteen I think Rabbit. Like Velveteen Rabbit. And real is a quality that nobody else can define except for you. And so, you know, I, I heard somebody recently say, I used to hear people say, be authentic, be authentic. And I got really upset by that because I felt like they were using it to validate like a lot of I was actually going to read that email oh, that wow. you're mentioning as part of I today. couldn't even remember what it was from. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's go. funny because my next yeah. topic I was going to bring into is on the journey to individuation into your soul orchestration. What are some qualities or things you think that are signposts or common um I guess, what would the word be? Ways you know you're headed in that direction or certain things that start happening. Yeah. How would you label those things or what are they? Yeah. Uh, I think the word authentic is interesting because authentic can mean different things based on where you're at in terms of your developmental consciousness around it. I used to think at 18, like, you know, at 15, yeah. authenticity meant something really different to me than at 25, 35, 45, and probably will at 55, 65. It's like... So it's weird because we're like, be authentic. And it's not even that sexy. I think people aren't like, yeah, I want to be authentic necessarily. I think it's just sometimes you have a feeling of like, this doesn't feel good. What feels right? It's almost like an unknown thing. It's not like happiness where you're like, I can't wait to be authentic. It's just more of a moving away from unauthentic or inauthentic that you start to be like, oh. To me, it's almost like editing when you're writing a sentence and you're like, that's kind of it. And then you're like, oh no, that's more of what I'm really saying. And then you keep adding, you're like, no, that's the core. And it feels better and better in the process. Mm -hmm. um, one, because I'm a feeler on the Mars-Briggs. <laughs> so that's how I navigate. But two, because it's a it's like getting closer and closer to the core of what you're trying to get at, which I think individuation has a similar thing, experience yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean, I like the word real. Because I think authentic can mean, oh, well, I'm really authentically in my panic attack right now. That's the most authentic thing, <laughs> you know, I'm experiencing. So it's it can be hard to define. But, but I actually, that's use... a good example because you can be inauthentically in a panic attack or you can be authentically in a panic attack in the sense yeah. of you can be like, 
this is weird. I'm staying on top of it. And sometimes it's just surviving the panic attack. Or you can also use it as an inquiry to crack the egg and look at what else is going on that's creating anxiety in my life that might be misaligned. And then how can I kind of Yeah. And sometimes those things? you just need to fully express the panic attack to release whatever's behind there. And you might not even understand it as I'm, I'm doing a truthful inquiry and I've discovered what's truly behind my panic attack. Sometimes you got to go fully blown into whatever. Well, and yeah, I would recommend there. to not actually psychoanalyze yourself during a panic attack. I would definitely I do that all the wait time. It never goes, for the panic attack never goes well. to be over yeah. before you start Yeah, asking yeah. why is this happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But back individuation in my mind with Carl Jung is I think there's a part of us that always knows if we're being real or not and that internal compass is not based off of others opinions it's not based off external success or a bunch of other metrics and so i was going to use the same example of like when you watch a video back of yourself like let's say like at high school or like some developmental stage you can be like oh i can see now from my vantage point the part of me that's trying or a little neurotic or this or that that's missing the mark of my authenticity but then you go back even further watch a video of yourself as a child you can see you can say well i but i also see the part of me that was always me mm -hmm. through this whole thing so no matter what developmental stages i'm going through no matter how much awareness i have or success in the external world i have there's that strain of me which is why i love looking at videos and photos of you when you're younger and i didn't know you because there's a sense of like you're developmentally your age in this picture and you're so in that developmental experience and it's like and it's your soul is there and i love your soul even when your soul is six and eight and ten and twelve and yeah came out same way ball too <laughs> uh and i and that's crazy too about like babies right you like i just feel like any baby you meet you're like you can't it's hard to see them Mm -hmm. But then when you see them older in life, you go back and watch those baby videos and you're like, oh, that I can see Yeah, that is now. definitely wild about parenting where you're mm -hmm. like, I'm looking at this baby. That's my baby. And then as you get to know them more, you're like, oh, my God, I can. It's revisionist history where you're like, I can now so understand more why you did that at two or three or four. Because yeah. now that I know more of your Leo nature core essence or expressed, your, you're like, of course you feel like that if you couldn't side. walk and you yeah. couldn't express yourself yeah. or kids have all different reactions to that so i would say the simplified version of individuation to me is just being true to that which you could say is being the real true to your soul what's so the definition of soul orchestration yeah is what things that are designed to help you get to that events that are designed to help you mm -hmm. get to that true core part of yourself to to peel off the layers of any place you don't know yourself yeah and any kind of natural signposts that happen once you're on the path to individuation what are some things that are common for people to experience on the path to individuation this is a quiz it's a word um, i think there is uh one signpost i think is a familiar uncomfortable feeling like if you're being pushed into something that you're facing some sort of wound again and again there's usually this uncomfortable feeling of, oh, this place, I really hate this place. But then there's also a familiar feeling of, and I keep going back to this place for some reason. There's something about these events that make me keep visiting it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And what's something that happens that gives you faith on that journey towards soul orchestration? Are there any moments that just stand out in terms of giving you faith 
on your journey that you could classify or categorize that other people may experience too? Uh, one, just personally, and I, I've seen this in clients too, I would say one is also a feeling of just feeling more relaxed and sort of radically free and um, unhooked from a lot of previous worries, anxieties, and social pressures mm-hmm. of kind of like, I have gotten to a point of realness and healing on this that I just don't. I definitely care think you anymore. care a lot less about, yeah, other people's opinions when you're connected to your soul. Cause then you're like, I actually am more, you start to become excited about aligning with your soul and almost like your soul's opinion more mm. than other people's. And your, it gives you kind of confidence. Yeah. Your validation of self and confidence becomes mm-hmm. less and less reliant on external events and people. But there's an S word that Jung coined that also happens. Self with a big S? <laughs> that too. Our soul. And another. Oh, our synchronicity. There you go. Ding, 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 ding. 100 points. So, let I like me... this form of a podcast. <laughs> Do I get a I'm prize at the end? I'm you get a dog snoring on your lap. Um, I already got that. I'm going to read you an email. And, okay. and this is going to be another entry point into this talk about soul orchestration. Dear Lisa, so I got this last week. You probably not have time to read this, but now my ego decided it's time to write you. And my soul helps me with my writing. That I got your book, Meet Your Soul, was in itself a huge synchronicity. So by the way, this is not in the letter, but for people listening, synchronicities, a coin termed by Carl Jung, Swiss psychotherapist, who instead of a meaningless coincidence, like, oh, that was just so random and a coincidence, synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence. An A-causal, A-C-U-A-S-A-L, how do you spell it? Causal, however you spell that. A-causal principle, which isn't about um, it created it, but it's kind of like, this reflection as above so below so you know you're kind of in alignment because these things happen that's not that they cause this thing to happen but it's almost like a ping of destiny like a resonance happens of something that's bigger than you could have fathomed that's kind of coming forward in in space and time long story short as possible this is back to the email I read an interesting article about the wake and brain and the studies from Lisa Miller bought her book and got in contact with the word synchronicity So basically she got this book, which led her to the term synchronicity. The weekend I finished the book, I visited my mom and we talked about a childhood friend of mine, Elisa Romeo. So she has a childhood friend named Elisa Romeo, spelled the same way as me. That's not you. Not me. Mom asked me if I know how Elisa's doing. And I said that unfortunately I'm not on social media anymore, but I could Google her. And then you showed up. I listened to a podcast with you, Adam and Danica and fell in love. On October 27th, I started soul journaling, and I can't even tell you how it helps me bring me more myself, more in my body, appreciating this human experience. I'm now learning what it means to be vulnerable and authentic. I always hated the word. That's like what you said earlier. Yeah. Because uh, I thought it was misused often for defending narcissistic behavior, mm-hmm. which is also interesting. But now I can feel how good it feels to be authentic trying to live the soul's plan for that human incarnation we are in. Thank you for your healing work. And what's funny too, since over a year, I have a Sophia synchronicity in my life. It started with getting to know more about the Jewish Sophia. 
Geistgottes, ghost would be the false word. So I wrote the German one and so on. And when I heard your soul's name is Sophia, it makes perfect sense to me. My second name is Sophie too. And my soul introduced herself to me as Jasmine first, but since then it's Theodora and Sophia. Although I don't quite understand the why of this many names, but maybe someday my head will know what my heart is already carrying as inherent truth. So there's a synchronicity there of like her connection to Inherent so, yeah. truth is a great term. I would say that's mm -hmm. what we were trying to say mm -hmm. about individuation. Yeah. I could still write words over words about what are synchronicities in my life which are connected to your work and you, but when you but when you really read this far, thank you for your time. Thanks for living your soul's path. Um lots of love from Austria. So I thought that was so wild because so the synchronicity is like basically how I see it as like, she puts a prayer out subconsciously or unconsciously where it's like, okay, I want to like get to know myself, my true nature in this way. So she comes upon this book, the awakened brain, and then she learns about synchronicity. And then her mom just happens to ask her about Elisa Romeo, which causes her to Google it. Find and why me. Why does she have a friend in Austria <laughs> named Elisa named Romeo? Romeo. Yeah. Very Italian. She could have been, who knows? Yeah. Maybe they met in Italy. And then, um, and then get it connecting to her soul that way. And I think soul will use any opportunity, any path available in order to get someone to wake up to their truth of who they are. And so I just thought that was such a cool email that really shows how soul can use the physical paths to kind of reveal itself. Um, and so it got me really thinking about soul orchestration this week. So now I'm going to go into anything else you want to say about that email just about nope. yeah, soul orchestration. Just soaking it in. So I really, for a while, have been obsessed with this place in California called Flamingo Estates. And it's this gorgeous, I don't even know how to explain it, like hillside manner sensual <laughs> sensual like um house that was maybe i should explain it a little better well you showed um, me a video of it the other day yeah. a little story about it and this guy who owns it and is running it knows a lot of these famous artists from all around the world and he basically was like i want to have this be a sensory experience and have a little bit of cultures from all over the world and so just everything is meticulously thought of and planned it's out. It's all like, so beautiful and like sensual. There's like a bathroom and... that a whole wall is made of this blue transparent glass. So when you're taking a bath, there's just all these different shades of blue. But then the bathtub is they use handmade soaps and fragrances from the garden that goes back into the garden through the pipes. And, and, and just I don't even every... know how I came about it. I think somehow mm -hmm. through social media I saw like the 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 house which is where richard christensen who owns it lives and it's got a, a bunch of i don't know how how much how many acres but it's got a big property that has just like beautiful plants that are like you know mature fruit trees and just like beautiful they've got a bunch of honeybees and but it's just like a magical place they make soap they make olive oil they um work with the farmers in the area on in California to kind of basically make these CSA boxes that they deliver and but um I love the aesthetic and you know there's not a lot of places that I feel like there's a lot of like beautiful places but when something's decorated with an aesthetic that's like really soulful and has character and like some history to it I get really interested so 
I was really fascinated with like, whose house is this? How did they make this house? Like, where did it come from? What's the history? So I was like Googling around about it and, um, and found this podcast, um, Everything is the Best with host Pia Baroncini, who's a creative director, and she interviews him for, I don't know, an hour and a half about his journey. And it was the wildest story. I'm going to make you listen to the podcast at some point because it was so cool. Talking to me or to our audience? <laughs> you. No, I know you're talking to me. Um, about how he came to Flamingo Estate. But... I think there's so many things I could say about the podcast. So if you have a chance to listen to it and you're interested in like listening to Soul Orchestration, I would definitely give it a listen. Um, again, Everything is the Best is the name of that podcast. And his name's Richard Christian Christiansen. But um, he's he grew up in rural Australia. I, his, so, you know, and people probably heard me say this before, but I'm obsessed with autobiographies because you really see how soul orchestration moves through different people's lives, whether it's like Oprah or whoever, you know, I, big ones that are like Oprah and actually Jackie Kennedy, who I'll talk about later today. Cause I think there's some interesting synchronicities in her life about her Definitely destiny. A part two podcast. Then. <laughs> yeah. This might go for a while. Um, but also just like, it doesn't have to be one of these symbolic big figures to see soul mm -hmm. orchestration and destiny. Absolutely. It can yeah. be, I'm trying to think of another example, but that people might kind of know, but it's not a big famous name. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and then there's people like, I'm thinking of all big famous figures, everything. I like, mean, we just have friends and clients who have so many stories of soul orchestration and doesn't necessarily have to end with some big glamorous yeah it doesn't always end with and fame and, and and riches but um like frida kahlo's life has tons of interesting synchronicities and mm. and soul orchestration and while she was live yeah. she didn't get paid at all for her but now art I'm, I'm curious to hear about the richard soul, the soul orchestration so yeah. he grew up in royal australia on a farm with parents who um basically really struggled as most farmers do to like make the farm stay alive. So it was like him and his twin brother, they were like roped into kind of like doing things to make it a visitor's place. So instead of just like, you know, getting by on their, um, selling their, mm -hmm. I forget what they sold fruits and vegetables. I don't know, yeah. but, um, they'd be like, we're going to do, um, like have people come and like, I don't, I forget what he said, but something about like tying stuffed animals to the sheep or something. So they would be coming up with like creative ways to engage the tourists to come. So that him and his brother, such a random from a young age, they'd be detail. like making up like games uh -huh. so that like when people got there, there'd be like fun events. Yeah. Like I think they were like tying their stuffed animals to like this rodeo sheep and then yeah. like doing funny events and stuff. So from a young age, almost like this feeling of like, <laughs> you know entrepreneur and maybe from a place of fear and scarcity of like we're yeah. gonna lose our home if we don't like come up with the money with us but yeah. he didn't explain it as traumatizing he explained it as like fun fun and just like mm -hmm. you know um and eventually his parents did lose the farm mm -hmm. later he ended up trying to just move way away from australia coming to the states and then i forget exactly the, the the moments of how this happened but he i think he was waiting tables when somebody was talking to him and was like noticing his creativity and the way he was thinking about things and and was like hey i'm like an ad guy you should come work with me at like me in advertising so he like did mm -hmm. that you know and then he because he's so astute and intuitive and just like a real visionary he did incredibly well and then he created um 
he told the wildest story. I almost don't want to tell you too much because I want you to hear the podcast. But mm -hmm. he did a lot of like wild, very like fake it till you make it things to make his mm -hmm. agency, which is called Chandelier, work for advertising. Yeah. Um, just really almost like the rogue on the farm, just like yeah. make it work stuff. And, um, and it did and it grew and it was really, really successful. And then he worked really, really hard, like many people in New York and got like super burnt out and overwhelmed. So he was like, wanted to find a place of like essential luxury where you could like get away from the rat race yeah. and like think and, and be creative mm -hmm. and have actually people from his agency go and get away and be creative and connect. Which is a little interesting if you think he's living on this farm is probably in some ways his little sanctuary with his family. He wants to like keep it. He has to go on this whole long journey then to remake the sanctuary from a new place. Well, and it gets so wild because... And that was a farm. Well, yeah. so, yeah. So anyway. he buys it as a house. And I yeah. don't know. He w wasn't thinking, I don't think, what it ended up being. Yeah. Which is turning it basically into this, like, biodiverse farm and... Um, one thing regenerative that farm and you showed me is that it, he wasn't intending it and then during covid somebody said well oh, that's what sell? happened so then mm -hmm. covid happens he loses all his clients because nobody's spending money in advertising and then he's like in this farm or you know beautiful estate property. and he's taking baths and he's realizing his bath soap is killing the plants because he has the yeah. water mm -hmm. just going into the garden and he's like wait why am i putting this on my body if it's calling the plants so then mm. he talks like figures out how to make a local handmade soap from their place mm. that's not going to kill the flowers so then they start selling the soap and then um COVID happens and this neighbor farmer's like uh restaurants are buying my vegetables i'm gonna go out of business lose my farm unless i can figure out how to sell those so he's she's like can i come to your i don't know parking lot or something and try to sell my stuff this friday or saturday or something and they expected to sell like whatever not many boxes but then they sold like way more and then everybody was like coming and then it became a thing the next weekend and then they started pulling on and that's how it just organically grew more farmers literally and <laughs> metaphorically and just like creating this really cool um place where they're just doing all this like radical cool yeah. stuff and he was talking about you know getting like thrust a little bit into this position of not expecting to do this but now he's doing that He's also still, I think, doing advertising yeah. as well. But Can I talking about you? the the soul orchestration yeah. of he was he was saying in in the podcast like I feel like I've trained my whole life for this. Like I didn't understand why I was doing all these random different events, you know. But they've all come together in this moment of vision of the creativity in the home, the branding of it, the communication of that to others, and then this kind of gung-ho do it on your own creation of yeah. really doing something really innovative and amazing uh the first thing that that makes me think about is when i met you and you sort of need somebody to suddenly run your business for you and i was like i don't know if i'm prepared to do this mm -hmm. and then uh, over time we realized that um, all these random skills I learned were like very specifically applicable. Like I learned audio engineering, how to do podcasts, and like yeah, thank and, God for that. I recording. wouldn't be doing a podcast I right now. I studied like audio recording in college, and then 
Photoshop. And I learned Photoshop <laughs> and graphic design and video editing and all these things. And, it, you know, it's like this. Yeah. That from the outset could look like there's no plan and it's all just random. But mm-hmm. then, like, all the skills. And graphic design, applying. yeah. You've done all my stuff. Um, it reminds me a little bit of that movie Slumdog Millionaire. Have you ever seen that? I never saw it. So, basically, this kid goes up for this Jeopardy show. And then every question they ask him ends up that he's had some weird random mm, event in his life yeah, that's a good that uh, gives him the perfect information to answer that question. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of, with this guy with this estate, it feels like there's a lot of like all these random little skills. He's learning how to farm and he's learning how to advertise. Another funny show we, movie we just watched was Quiz Show, which is a comedy. Uh, it's on- called Quiz Lady. Quiz Lady. On Hulu, right? I think yeah. it's on Hulu. And it was basically about, yeah, she was training her whole life to be like, yeah. the best at this one quiz it's show hilarious. with Will Ferrell in it and it's really really funny yeah. a really funny Harry Styles musical scene in it but I won't give it away if you watch it look for the Harry Styles music scene um, sh- maybe should we I mean so what I wanted to ask you is <laughs> why do you think that this particular guy resonated with you so much well one, I'm obsessed with his aesthetic. So anytime I really love an aesthetic, I just go down the rabbit hole. And for you, aesthetic, because I know you, it's a feeling. so specific. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm in real estate now. And so I've seen a lot of houses and I'm going to a lot of places. And I've also really noticed that there can be these new construction houses or even these high class luxury houses uh, but they feel very like they're lacking soul and personality. So I think you always really notice when a place is full of feeling and full of soulfulness. I also love a story. He says, oh, this was fascinating. I mean, there's so much detail I can't even remember to explain about his layers of what I'm talking about if you listen to the podcast. But he talks about in advertising, you really learn about what's the story behind this advertisement or this um campaign and so for each house he's decorated it's like what's the story of who lives here so Mm. it's kind of him but it's also his version of these fantasy characters which is something else i'm obsessed with is mr boddington which is a really cute papery in brooklyn new york and this woman is a genius who writes i mean she's so creative but she has this character mr boddington who's very fancy aristocrat who like only uses certain stationery and pencils and then it's a store that sells these things and does really creative things for kids and just like adorable graphic design and stuff so basically she makes postcards she makes um paper and for christmas actually if you're looking for it they do a a santa kit we're we're doing where it's like 35 dollars or something and you um write a letter to santa on this adorable stationery they send you and then they'll write back a tailored one to your kid based on what they write in the letter for santa we've gotten kits for the kids before too that are like pen pal kits so you can send Send it to grandma yeah and then it'll be like like check this box of like what your favorite ice cream is and just like it's very like interactive but her story's funny because as a kid she had this imaginary friend mr, mr. Bodington, Bodington, which is such and, a cute name and it was just this like it reminds me very much of like the wes anderson it's aesthetic. very wes anderson yeah and so and so it i think this is such a good example of something that's so random <laughs> you would never ever think that this little girl imagining she's talking to her like very fancy Mr. Botington friend mm-hmm. like 
that, that would it. ever amount to anything are that there and but it, she listened to something so particular and unique mm. to her little soul path that it ended up manifesting this into this company. thing that's this international amazing company but also point. like i feel like a lot of times those inner characters are so powerful and telling of yeah. Lots of things in your future when you really listen to those. Did you have an imaginary friend when you were a kid? You know, not like that, but I do think every time I've written something that's fiction, I do think I have that ability. It's really fun. Any creative writer, when you read about people who are writing, I love Donna Tartt's work and our Secret mm. History, but I mean, you can just feel people who are so good at, and I have a couple clients right now that are fiction writers, and I've been talking to them a lot about that, like listening to the character you know and really developing that well um, sometimes if you put it in the category of fiction or imaginary friend mm -hmm. that it gives it this permission mm -hmm. to be whatever it needs to be and then like well, divine information i was thinking about carl that. jung had yeah. philemon which was his yeah. inner guide that was yeah. maybe his soul maybe a spirit guide but there's debate about <laughs> what yeah. people think around that or um ram das actually has been quoting and i'm forgetting the name of it people listening probably like oh i know what this is but he would quote i got the book in the other room oh i think it's manuel mm -hmm. yeah it's yeah. like our gabriel or something but yeah mm -hmm. no i think it's a manual and it's like a channeled book and it's so interesting because people usually have like big issues with channeling in terms of people meaning people who think they're rational like, well, that's a channel material. Like I say people but but then people rational. can handle yeah. it from Ram Dass. Those yeah. same people are like, I'm really rational, but I'm kind of spiritual because I yeah. like Ram Dass. But then he's talking about a manual, but it, what's the great yeah. loophole is Ram Dass is like, and I think this is true, it doesn't matter where it's coming from if it's good information. If yeah. we're weighing like, well, what do we really feel from this? What is the information? And like really discerning about and, that, then... Yeah. Who cares where it comes from? And that's why it can come from Mr. Bodenton or a fictional <laughs> book. So full circle yes. moment, mm -hmm. talking about soul orchestration and imaginary friends and synchronicity. <laughs> yes. Boom. All tied up. Tied together. Is when I was little, I remember I watched some sort of show in which some per kid and character in the show had an imaginary friend. Yes. <laughs> and the imaginary friend was represented as like an invisible person. Mm -hmm. And I remember being really jealous. I was mm -hmm. like, I really wish I had like an so imaginary friend. So then you created friend. an imaginary friend. I wanted to. You didn't. I'm surprised you didn't just start that day. Well, so this is the thing is I wanted to, <laughs> but I couldn't create it. it. Like I was like. This seems weird because it seems very up your alley. I, well, just, <laughs> just you wait. Just you wait. <laughs> and so I'm like, I really want an invisible best friend mm -hmm. who I could talk to but I just feel like I'm making this up and and I don't and I'm by the way I'm like six yeah. you know like I'm not You're old like, I can't yeah. support imagination yeah I don't know what it was <laughs> I had a high standard I think the way that the kid that was represented in the show I just thought it would be like this like as real as life you know mm -hmm. and so then what happened is when I was going to sleep late at night I would look up at my ceiling and I and things would become sort of like fuzzy and I would see like mm -hmm. shapes and things like that. So I was like, oh, this must be my imaginary friend, which it looked like it was this orb that was all around <laughs> me. And it looked more like I was talking not to like a person or a friend, but more like the energy around me, mm -hmm. you know. And then eventually I was like, well, maybe this is God. 
And so then I would just be like, I'm talking to <laughs> your God first imaginary friend. Here. That's everybody's first. And so <laughs> that was my imaginary friend. That's so funny. And so then I would be like, and I would use it to like comfort me when I was going to sleep. I remember when I was little being like, oh, what's God to my mom and her being like, well, God is everywhere. And then in my head, it was like a cartoon moment of like, a little man like replicating like do 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 you know oh, like like weird. like hundreds of <laughs> basically little like gnome figures yeah. with god that is like everywhere Ooh. it's just so funny when kids are like literal and trying to conceptualize yep. these abstract concepts like what do you mean yeah. energy so our friend <laughs> just told me the most hilarious story which she heard somewhere else but basically the story is i think he actually heard it on this american life uh, so this is a story of a story of a story, but uh, <laughs> is that w- there's there was this kid and when he was little, um, he was talking about the tooth fairy and his friend said, oh well, I know who the tooth fairy is, as and, and he was like, who's the tooth fairy? He's like, well, the tooth fairy is my mom, <laughs> and so then he thought the tooth fairy was That's his mom, hilarious. that specific mom. That's great. And so then whenever he went over to his house, he thought he was at like royalty. He was like, this is the tooth fairy's That's house. Really cute. It's this woman, and so it just shows how like kids don't need this oh like gosh. certain level of logic can just kind of jump between things mm, um, that's timely as we're going into christmas yeah it's like i talk about the santa wound and meet your soul yeah. who was i talking yes. to the other day i told you the story i was talking to somebody and she's like i don't think it really matters about santa when you find out there's not santa and then i was like <laughs> i literally wrote like a section called the Santa wound and meet your soul because it's not true for everybody. But I remember where I was standing when I found out Santa wasn't (laughs) (laughs) right where I was standing when it was like, Santa's not real. And because I think that's your first projection of my parents lied to me and depends on how it goes down. If you're like young or if you're like old and naturally figured out yourself, but disillusionment um, and then going into the spirit of Christmas, which I think is so real. I truly feel a vibe. This is why I love Christmas. Yeah. People just start getting more generous and heart opening and you can really feel the spirit of like this energy that starts to kind of like yeah. be more real, like a Christ force energy that like activates more around yeah. December 25th, which is yeah really wild that people open to that for whatever reason. And Yeah. Uh, what I want to say, just back to the topic of soul orchestration. Yeah. What is the feeling you get? When you're reading an autobiography or when you heard that story about that guy that you're like, oh. I just like to I like to watch in people's lives how God puts like clues, like breadcrumbs in people's lives and then how their ego either does or doesn't get it at the time. I just love it's like it's like a zoom out lens of like, oh, my God, am I going to get it? And especially when you know what ended up happening in their life afterwards, Mm -hmm. you're like, I know it's waiting for them. And like, this is the part I was actually thinking about memories, dreams, reflections, Carl Jung's autobiography that I read when I was 16. And I was like, what is this? It's changing my blowing my mind. That book is so good and um yeah just like the synchronicities the things that happen to kind of like get you to open to your particular life myth i think there's a life myth that each of us have whether it's like breaking from the father complex or if it's finding out you are connected to everyone, whatever is your myth. It's almost like Joseph Campbell stuff to look at like the myth that's being like lived through you. And then there's these like moments of tests basically Mm -hmm. that are very hero's journey. 
about like, okay, do you get it? Oprah obviously is just probably the most well-known person of like so many things in her life that were so obviously very clear of like her getting the color purple. She's like praying on the track at this like fat camp and she's kind of like crying and destitute and doesn't understand where she's at in her life. And then the moment she prays to really release her attachment to getting this particular role she already thought she wasn't going to get, she gets the phone call. And then like... And and the longer story of that is she she auditioned. She thought she wasn't going to get it uh, because she was overweight. Right. And so, so she then she thought like she had to change her herself. And then, like, the people are like, no, your, your weight is perfect. And then when she and got into alignment with, like, her true nature, who she yeah. truly is, and, like, what she has to give to the role yeah. and everything, then it, like, aligns and you get the call. Yeah. And I Which think- is interesting to just think about how what our ego thinks we need to do to be successful yeah. versus the soul orchestration. What, I, what I'm trying to hone in on for you is when you are reading these autobiographies or watching these things, there's a feeling of like, oh, it's so obvious mm-hmm. from seeing it from afar. Yeah. Like now I can see this in perspective. This person's life has been lived yeah. already, uh, especially if it has been. It's like somebody in the past opposed to us. Right. Who we're in the present muck of it all. And yeah. I think that you also have these aha moments and resonant moments because you are also scanning for clients and people. Well, that's what all I do in sessions is zoom out and look at what is their soul myth and what is alignment with that and how do they get there kind of faster and more efficiently because I love efficiency. Yeah. And I think it's... So what do you think is... What is your soul trying to... Like wants to say through this podcast with this theme of soul orchestration to the people listening right now that are in the present muck of their own Well, lives. I was going to get there, but I was going to give a Jackie Kennedy example first. Well, this, that's going to be part two. I am a J, so I have a plan at all times. I'm a P, so I'm just a wanderer. <laughs> I just, I'm just here um, for the ride. Man. Well, if you're listening at this point with what we've given you so far, I would say... Join in for part two. Should we really do that? Yeah. Okay. Wait, should we do leave them with one... Let's leave them with one thing, which okay. is it's starting to lean into the idea of looking for patterns in your life and looking at it's also kind of like mystic mad libs which is a really great exercise in holy love our second book which is kind of like if you zoom out and you look at what soul lessons might i be really working on what would love tell me to do or say or understand to really kind of release or heal and graduate from this lesson and there's so much wisdom in that so yeah, we'll I go. would just say, and and my last tidbit for this is that you are on purpose, and that purpose may not be defined by anybody else. So if you just imagine for a moment, what if I really knew I was on purpose? What would your purpose want to do? How would it want to express itself? How would it want to enjoy this day? That's a great question. And I think this is a really good thing to be cognizant of. Is our, am I thinking about this topic from ego or soul? Because mm-hmm. ego will be like looking up. at separation, looking at the challenges, and then looking at all the gremlin things of why it can't work out, whereas soul is kind of like conspiring for your success. Okay. So thanks for listening. And something we always forget to say at the end is please rate and review our podcast because it helps other people find it. And um, that's it. 
we hope you enjoyed the podcast and coming back for part two we're going to talk a little bit about jackie kennedy's soul orchestration